All right. Good morning. It is Tuesday, and um, we are recording our latest episode of the Amarillo Police Department podcast. I'm Sergeant Carla Burr, and here with me I have um, my partner, Corporal Jeb Hilton. And our guests today are Ryan Herman, and you'll have to tell us what your title is, and then Haley Hernandez. She's our crime analyst supervisor. I do know that title. Yes. So... My title changes quite a lot, but uh, <laughs> the city mayor is involved with the Harvard Bloomberg City Leadership Initiative, so I'm a summer fellow underneath that initiative. Awesome. That is awesome. So today we're going to talk about, well, Ryan and Haley just did a uh, study and uh, about the gun violence in Amarillo, and so that's what we're going to talk about kind of go in depth over the study that they did and we've got some questions for them and then he's got they've both got some numbers statistics and all kinds of cool stuff like that um but before we do that Haley, tell us your background um so i have worked at the police department for about three years as a crime data analyst um, and i was very fortunate uh, they opened up the supervisor position so I applied for that and I was um, given the job and so we're currently trying to grow our analyst unit. I think within the last couple of weeks we've doubled it. So I have three analysts and then we have the supervisor and then that's going to go into the Emerald Regional Crime Center. Um, so we're very excited for what we'll be able to do. Um, just trying to get there. Awesome. And also Haley is a veteran of our United States Marine Corps Yes. and uh, a mom and a wife. but. We don't have to tell the details on it. No, that's <laughs> secret. But still, she's not just a crime analyst supervisor. She's got a really cool life story. Yes, thank you. Uh huh. Um, Ryan, what? How long have you been with Harvard, Bloomberg, all that? Yeah, I um, I did a master's in education policy and analysis at Harvard this past year, and for a lot of master's programs at Harvard, it's two years, so you have a summer in between. So there's quite a few initiatives, opportunities that different students will take over that summer. Bloomberg's Harvard initiative is one of them. And so although I'm not going back, I already have finished my degree, I was able to apply for that. So this is my first job with the Bloomberg initiative, but I've been working on police reform stuff probably for like the past two years with Campaign Zero, which is um, an advocacy organization that's trying to reduce police killings. Um, so, as far as the study, how did it come to be? Yeah, so the Harvard Bloomberg Initiative allows city mayors to apply to it, and then them and another city leader uh, partake, I think, in a year-long program, essentially just trying to get better at solving city problems, being city leaders. And then there's a lot of different offshoots off of that that they can apply to and take advantage of. And Mayor Nelson's been really huge of trying to take advantage of everything they can once they got into that program um, and one of them is to apply to have a summer fellow come down and do research or analytical work on any city problem that she chose so she chose to do gun violence it wasn't necessarily a police department driven initiative um, and they put that up in February of this year and I went through the application process I interviewed with the chief I interviewed with people at city council interviewed with Bloomberg um, was fortunate enough to get it and then I came down in June, and that's kind of when it kicked off. And we had about 10 weeks to get it done. This is my 10th week. Oh. So are you sad to leave us? Oh, absolutely. 
The Amarillo draw. The Amarillo <laughs> draw. It's everybody. So. <laughs> uh, so kind of explain where this started, where, where you began with all this, and where we are now. Um, me and Haley met probably my first day. Yeah, I would say that I didn't know any of this was going on. Um, he just showed up in my office. Like, <laughs> that's get, about that how that thing, this kind of stuff goes. <laughs> nice to meet you. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember, I remember you introduced yourself, and I was like, oh, this is the person I need to work with. Yes. Yeah, true. so we started with um, about 12 months ago. There was a change in the police's record management system that made it really easy for us to, to know when a case actually had a gunshot fired versus not. Um, so Haley and her team helped me pull what I think ended up being probably like 500 cases. Roughly. Yeah. And I spent the first like five weeks just reading every single shooting that happened in the city, which is a not a very pleasant experience to have mm-hmm. gone through. But after that, we were able to just essentially codify all the things we pulled from that. Um, Haley helped me get into a lot of people's heads and start adding some nuance to what we were seeing in the data. And then it was just report writing after that, looking at the data and putting it together. And then I think a lot of strategizing on who we needed to talk to, how did we convey this in a way that made sense. Um, Yeah, I think at the end of the day, we put together maybe like a 30 page report, a lot of maps and a lot of, a lot of numbers and such. And I think it ended up being pretty useful. Yeah, Ryan did most of the work pretty much. (laughs) I just uh, had one of the analysts provide him the information um, and then he had to do all the reading and, and sorting um, and then just providing context and connecting him to the people who could answer the questions that he developed from his analysis, his review. And all your beautiful maps. <laughs> <laughs> and the maps. <laughs> maps are huge. I, I, I told Sergeant Burr earlier, she's like, I read through some of that. I said, I looked at the pictures. So it was, mm. it was good. Mm. I, liked, I liked that song. Well, and when Ryan and I talked about putting this report out, I was like, you got to have pictures. you got to have pictures in it or people aren't going to pay attention to it. We had lots of pictures. (laughs) I know. And so, therefore, people are paying attention. There you go. So, so was there any problems or barriers or anything putting this report together? Um, I think I'll speak about one. I'll let Haley speak about another. But I think the two big issues were... um, these are only gun violence cases that get reported to the PD. Mm-hmm. And the other issue being, um, unfortunately, how unclean our data is at the police department. Yes. But speaking on the first one, it's, uh, so we had about 500 cases where we thought a shot was fired that ended up getting reduced to about 350 that actually were like a violent crime shooting. Um, and that is probably representative of what's going on in Amarillo, but also at the end of the day, it's probably not as well. And we don't have any statistics to actually prove that there's underreporting in Amarillo, but we're gonna assume that's that's probably the case. So this is definitely like a um, a baseline estimate, but it's definitely an underestimate of what we have. Sure. I always think it's a healthy assumption oh, um, yeah. that there's events that go unreported. Um, and yeah, as far as our data goes, I think really any police department is going to deal with it. You mm-hmm. know? Um, and it's not just in gun violence. I mean, we see that in, we know that happens in sexual assaults, domestic violence, and other crimes like that too. So yes, it is a healthy assumption to have yeah. that. Yeah. And that's one of the things we talk with a lot in the public is the, hey, I posted this on Facebook. I mean, how come the police aren't doing anything about it? Well, they, it's not a report. It's not mm-hmm. getting to the right people. And just because we see it doesn't mean it's been reported. So that's a, a huge problem that we 
we fight daily mm-hmm. mm. for sure all right so getting into this report <laughs> um so um one of the questions we have is how would you describe the gun violence in Amarillo? that's on you ryan bad when me and Haley went to city council a few weeks ago we presented it the concluding statement we came up with was uh the gun violence problem in amarillo was real it's high and it's likely to increase and i think that's a really good summary of what's happening um it happens against and by all racial groups and all ages um, but there's definitely a concentration among those underneath the age of 25 we have a disproportionate amount of it happening by black and brown populations proportional to the actual proportion they make up of the city demographics happens a lot in our north east and west neighborhoods less so in our more affluent areas less so in our more industrial areas um predominantly it's aggravated assault so it's individuals intentionally firing a firearm to hurt somebody else and not so much uh for vandalism for hurting property we have a high rate of drive-by so about over a third of all of our shootings are shots fired from a moving vehicle which is difficult because those are increasingly difficult to track down and investigate on our detective side. Um, and a lot of it is perpetrated against people who are known. So these are just not random shootings. I don't think people need to think of Amarillo as a dangerous place of... Targeted violence. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's, it's always targeted, but predominantly not against uh, people that are in your nuclear family or people that you're in intimate partnership with. I think domestic violence does make up a large proportion of our gun violence and just a large proportion of our violence Mm -hmm. in the city but a lot of our shootings are occurring between people who are not in those type of relations as well i don't know Haley, if you would add anything to that no i think um you saw the statistics were about 50 percent were domestic violence related yeah we i think that might be another thing to add is we were able just to look at every case and a lot of cases we just don't have a lot of information on it's um someone waking up in the morning and seeing a, a gun hole in their house that wasn't there before, someone reporting that two blocks over they heard a gun shot, but they have no more information to offer, or people maybe calling and just not providing a lot of information for right. different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so out of what we know, half of the motives that we were able to deduce were domestic violence related. Um, but I think that just goes to say is we just also don't know a lot as the APD on why shootings are occurring and by who and against who. and. I think that makes it very problematic for understanding those cases, but also increasingly problematic for actually trying to help the people who are affected by that. Sure. Mm-hmm. So we crunched the numbers, and if nothing was to improve, it's probably about 180 gunshot victims that go without any kind of resolution hmm. annually in Amarillo. A lot of times when you, you hear violence, and, and we get it a lot, you know, is it gangs? Is it a gang problem? Is it something I should be worried about? Are, are gangs a problem? that we're seeing behind the violence? Yes. Yes. Um, We have an initiative. We're forming a gang unit um, to help target some of these gang members, people claiming to be gang members. Um, I think we decide 20% of Mm -hmm. our gun violence incidents are either involving confirmed or suspected gang members. Um, And so uh, taking that information, you know, this, this study that Ryan did, has helped kind of illuminate some things that we knew inherently, but after seeing the, the stats on it, you know, targeting the problem and coming up with an intervention. And um, I would say that uh, 
we're working on creating a gang unit to help um, yeah, I was I think, talking reduce to, the violence. I was talking to Susan this morning about it, mm-hmm. and she's so excited about the progress she's been able to make just in the last year, mm-hmm. which is huge because we we haven't had anybody working this for since you know since the last the three guys that were on it before left 2019 yeah yeah. so yeah we recognize and and we kind of knew but we recognize that it's an intelligence gap that Mm -hmm. we have um and so you know officer doris has done a great job putting together this unit um and then i think it'll come out into an official unit um it'll be comprised of members throughout the department Mm -hmm. so not like one specific unit um uh, officers on patrol detectives etc um, because the, the gang violence is a holistic perspective. We're not just trying to stop them in the act, you know. It's going to take investigation, detectives, um, and then seeing that through the uh, criminal justice system. Yeah, she was meeting with some prosecutors this morning. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, we were both in that meeting. Oh, mm-hmm. awesome. takeaways yes. from that. <laughs> That's yes. good. But I think, I think an issue with this debate on if there's a gang problem or not is, I think, someone said it in that prosecutor meeting today, is there's a older white definition of what gangs are right which are driven by what we see in la and mm-hmm. new york city sure. and it just doesn't really match what we have in amarillo which is the technical term is hybrid gangs but these younger cliques mm-hmm. of multi-ethnic groups that move in and out and are almost like childish in a way of like if me and Haley were in this gang and then she did something to upset me i might like fleet to another gang and right. like mm-hmm. it's gang. really hard to like track and nail down sure. and right i think that prohibits us from actually understanding the true problem and we i think we've had like 16 homicides in 2022 already which Mm -hmm. is quite substantial and if you looked at that older definition of what gangs are you would conclude that none of our murders are related to gangs but when you actually take this new perspective and actually think about what gangs have become you do see i think it's 20 percent of those shootings are Mm -hmm. affiliated with gang activity definitely and just to kind of reiterate on before, it's not gangs against innocent people. We're talking possibly gang-on-gang violence or, or something that's leading up to that, not just driving around shooting at a random person at their house. Exactly. It is gang-on-gang violence. It, it, yeah, it's gang-on-gang violence. So, so the crossover would be um, when these gang members go out and conduct, like, aggravated robberies or whatnot. That's where you see a crossover sure. into the mm. um, citizens, you know, just innocent, doing their job, and then they come in and rob them um but i would say as far as like gun violence where somebody was shot or shot at definitely would be um gang on gang violence mm-hmm. okay um so i'll move on to the next one that we have uh how do you think this report in its findings would impact the average citizen in amarillo if they read it that's a great mm. question. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I honestly, which is unfortunate, I don't think a lot of people will read it mm-hmm. because they're just going to rely on what they've heard. And we've, as we've seen, some of that's going to be taken with whatever context people want to take it with. But um, maybe better, what do you think, if they were to read it, how do you think they could use this to, to help themselves, help their neighborhood, help their part of this community? Is there mm-hmm. something they could use from that from this report to do that? Um, you know, so it's, it's kind of hard to to think about what the average citizen would mm-hmm. think. You know, being on the inside of the police department, you know the inner workings of cases and, and what's going on. So you, you kind of have a different perspective. Um, but I would say, like, 
if I would try to take a step back into the average citizen's perspective, um, I think education is always important. Um, reading, reading this report would, would give you insight into what's actually happening instead of what's assumed to be happening. Um, and, and, you know, some, some of the stuff that we've worked with is like, oh, we already knew that. Well, we knew that inherently because we work with it day to day. But now these are the, the actual facts and the statistics breaking out. You know, here's the problem. Um, I, think, I think for a lot of citizens, it would probably bring them some relief. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, the, the gun violence is, is generally between people you know or people you've associated with or other people that, you know, like I said, gang on gang violence. Um, but the incidents where it happens to, you know, innocent innocent citizens like that's actually a lot less common um so i would i would imagine it would bring some relief um and then just in general i think people are going to be uh, you know a little disappointed to know that gun violence is on the rise sure um but you know the big takeaway is how can i help reduce that you know and i, and I think after i read because the the headlines were all you know amarillo's fourth most violent city in the state and and you see that and most people look at that and they say yep there it is and they move on their way right but you look at everything that goes into it and and all the things that you guys were able to bring out of this and and i you know i don't feel like it i don't i've lived here my whole life and i don't i can go through my whole day and other than the job hear or see anything violent and Mm -hmm. and i think most people here do it's just in a a certain area and certain Mm -hmm. places and certain times so and that's one of the big talks we have with people is, you know, don't don't put yourselves in these situations where you're going to wind up here or there. And, and, and I think that's one of the things people can take out of this by just reading through some of this. Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Educating yourself to know, like, where is it happening? When is it happening? Sure. And then avoid that. Right. If you can. Yeah. I mean, you can't always. But if you can, yeah, don't put yourself in that situation. Definitely. But even doing that, you know, some of, of course, you know, some of the people that are involved in this, they're they're involved in it because it's their lifestyle choice but even that maybe the periphery of them of the people around them could learn from this and even let even that could go towards lessening this Mm -hmm. you know if people wanted to take that from this report yeah i think a fear i had when we were putting this together was the possibility of it being like a a, a blaming game Mm -hmm. or like a finger pointing of like because me and Haley did do beautiful maps we did start to say like <laughs> this is where it's happening and we were starting to build a profile of like who did this average shooter look like and i think it was going to bring the city potentially into a negative space of being like we're looking at a young black man problem which is only like halfway true but i think the challenge of becoming the city that goes okay where is our crime at and then let's plug that full of right. police resources instead of other resources i think minimizes like criminality and how criminality actually fosters and i think lifestyle choices is definitely something that drives that but i think a lot of it is not too so i hope what an average citizen would look at this at is starting to also recognize that amarillo has like some pretty deep-seated issues with the way that it's structured and where people live versus where people don't live and i think there's a bigger pull to draw in some of the other social services that mm-hmm. the city has sure. beyond i agree with the that police department and i think one of the things I always said was I was so fortunate to be put in the police department to do this work. I don't think we would have figured these numbers out otherwise. Like, without Haley's help, I don't, this would not have been possible. But um, I don't know if all the solutions exist within the police department either. We've it's, had this conversation a, a million times, not not about 
gun violence particularly, mm-hmm. but about like um, crime. Yeah, just in crime and that it's always mm-hmm. here, the police department let them handle it. And there are so many things out there, and especially now in the commu- the society that we're in, that there are um, social services and organizations and nonprofits out there that would be better at working in those groups and doing something about it and better they're better trained they're they're better informed mm-hmm. they have the money and More all of resources. that exactly but unfortunately most of those places are only open eight to five monday through mm-hmm. friday mm-hmm. and st- a lot of the stuff happens at midnight or three o'clock in the morning on a sunday morning and so the police are sent as a triage but that should not be the case this should be a you know what we're community and you're a community organization. And so let's figure out how you can have somebody that can go at three o'clock in the morning on a mm-hmm. Sunday morning mm-hmm. when this is something, and we'll see less of the things that have gotten us to the place that we're at because they'll get that when they need it. So. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful idea. I think one of the things I was able to figure out in some of the interviews I did is we have like a critical population of children underneath the age of 18 who are actively engaged in criminal activity Mm -hmm. um and they're the people who are the most excluded from the city social services Mm -hmm. probably some of the ones who's are least interested as well to be frank but i went and i met with a few social service providers and they have very strict stipulations within their grant requirements that if you have a text gang affiliation if you're identified as a gang member or if you have an active criminal history you are precluded from all these social Mm -hmm. services too so it it does kind of seem like Amarillo has, from what I've been told, a really robust social service industry. Definitely. But yeah. Absolutely. There has to be a bigger collaboration between them to start identifying these gaps and starting to feel like, well, if we're not doing it and you're not doing it, how can the two of us do it together possibly? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. So what do you, as far as conclusions out of all of this, was there, was there something that, so you're, you're going to go on your way, you'll head mm. out of here. Is there something you can leave with us in the city just saying you know these are some suggestions i would have these are some things you could possibly do or you guys are screwed i mean what what's your uh, what's your thoughts on that so. i'm still here jay <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I, I, and we have Haley. I'm, I'm, I'm just just curious it's a it's just one of those things that people are going to ask is this uh we did this it makes us look good because we looked at these or, or are there some suggestions on things we can possibly do better this was part of your program you have lots of there's lots of stuff lined out oh yeah lots of stuff lined out it is kind of um i I feel like there was a lot of ideas that came out from the conversations this report generated and i feel like i started those conversations with Haley, and then i get to leave them with (laughs) Haley. so i wish you the best of luck thank you um but no i think there's a few things uh i think it was really big to strengthen our gang intelligence in the apd and I feel like off of the meeting this morning, but also continuing strengthening that unit is a huge thing. And Haley investigating how to like build up the APDs, like analytical and intelligence frameworks around how to do that is new. We don't, mm-hmm. we didn't really ever figure that out before. We're pioneering a lot with pioneering it. Pioneering a sure. lot mm-hmm. with our internal gang squad. Um, I think another thing is we do have a few grants where data has proven to be very useful, but probably underutilized. And so with our Project Safe Neighborhoods, we're also trying to help them figure out how do they prioritize the public safety resources they have across the city to really focus on people who are causing the most harm and damage in this moment and probably need a 
public safety response more so than a social service response. And I think me and Haley are working out how to make that a more data-driven process that is going to be less likely to be influenced by potential bias, which I think is a great direction to move. Um, and But I think the major thing, and, I'll, and I said it again, is I think a lot of the onus of this problem doesn't just fall on the APD. And I think we need a city level response yeah i think that was the biggest takeaway that it was um and it was great that it you know came from ryan uh, after reviewing all the cases um and then identifying you know obviously and trying to identify the problems and finding a solution is it it's not just on the emerald police department mm -hmm. you know sure um yeah, it's nice to hear <laughs> <laughs> it really is yeah but no i think our hope is is tomorrow i'm going to City Hall and handing off a few documents to try to see if they'll move on what's called the community-based violence intervention program where you're trying to connect the communities where violent crime is most probable to happen, certain law enforcement units and the social services and providers that exist in the city and see if that collaboration of individuals can be more powerful together than they can be apart and starting to bridge some of the relationships that have gone unfostered for many years. Um, and I think I think that's a big undertaking. I think it just will depend on the political appetite of city council to actually move that forward or not. And I think the APD will get involved in that when it's up and running, but I don't think they're the ones that need to steerhead it. Um, but yeah, so, that, so that's my big hope is what comes out of this because I think my big fear is when a police department gets really good at what it does what it does is it puts more people in jail. But when your city doesn't get better at what it does, what ends up happening is the police just increasingly start putting more black and brown youth in jail because they're the ones who are the least served in your mm -hmm. city. And so I have a fear of, I see Haley's appetite for getting her department off the ground. I see the grants that come into the police department that don't necessarily get into other social services. And I see the APD getting really good at what it does, but at the detriment of some of your communities of color and your young people. And I don't, I think if the city sits back and lets the PD strive forward, that might not actually be the best thing. Yeah, and you know, I know that came from some of the discussions we had, um, is that, you know, targeting criminals, it has like a, a, a bigger effect, right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, it's a community, so, various people are related to these people sure. and then you know that's where you start to get the distrust and um i know you know when kids are involved and you know parents get arrested then th it creates this whole um generational effect mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and that's not what we're striving for for sure you know that's why it's it is important for the community to get involved and well and this is not really this is more anecdotal but like for me i'm quite a well I'm a little bit older than you guys but when I was young and a lot and a lot of people my age could say this you know there was a lot more it felt like there was a lot more forgiveness like you especially I lived in a small town and so the the police officers knew you and they and like they if they caught you you know doing something stupid you were hey I, this kid has made a mistake and it just feels like we've gotten away from that and i don't think that we can do that in every case mm -hmm. um but i think having that attitude again in the whole community 
of sometimes kids make mistakes and can we find a way to help them instead of just throwing them in jail and giving them a criminal record and especially if they want to learn from that and turn their lives around and stuff like that and so I just I I think if we could find that happy medium mm -hmm. between law enforcement in the community and working in a collaborative way that way you know so as most people can tell, there, there's so much more to this report. There, there's some stats, there's, there's tons of data, there's lots of numbers, a whole bunch that, that can be found on our website. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. um, they can find it on our Facebook page at some point. Um, actually, right now we just have it on our website. Okay. It's down, it's on the first page, page down on the bottom on a blog. Um, okay. It says, uh, the Amarillo um, Police Department gun study in 2022. Okay. And it's really easy, you just open it up, there's a short little blurb about it, and then the whole report is attached and it's really easy to get to. If they can't find it, they can call us in the Crime Prevention Unit. That's 378-4257. Mm -hmm. um, they can email us at- APD oh, Crime Prev. P-R-E-V at amarillo.gov or Jeb Hilton or Carla Burr, Jeb.Hilton at amarillo.gov, Carla.Burr at amarillo.gov. Yep. We'll so, yeah, and um, if you want to talk to uh, Ryan in depth about it, he has provided us his information and we can get you in contact with him. Um, he is the one that did the full study, so if you have any questions for him, we can get you in t contact with him, but he has gone back to um, his hometown. So um, we uh, want to thank him and Haley very much for their time and effort they put in on this so report. It, yep. it took a lot of hours and painstaking details and um, work. And Re reading through a bunch of reports that a lot of people probably don't want to read through. Right. And reading through them just back to back to back, um, hearing details that most people will never hear in their life. So yeah, we respect that tremendously. Yeah, and again, can't thank them enough. We thank you guys so much for tuning in and, and listening and, and hopefully continuing to, to grow our audience. And uh, again, thank you guys. All right, we'll see you next Tuesday.